Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, www.eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W.com. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. A gift of $25 a month gets the gospel to 10000 in a year, just three cents a soul. Go to EternityNow.com and click Support Us for more. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. Our nation and world are in desperate trouble. Here in the USA, we are $30 trillion in debt. If we seized every single dollar, that every person earned in the United States for 15 months, we would not pay our debt. A southern border is so porous that in just a year and a half, 2 million people from over 100 nations, including communist China, Somalia, and Iran, have become illegal aliens. News media, considering that their job not to expose us to all viewpoints, but only the one that they agree with. We have universities bought off by communist China and committing crimes, failing to report the bribes. We have a military so divided by critical race theory and COVID tests it can't recruit enough soldiers. So few people wanting to work, many businesses have to close early in the day or even for the week from failing to have enough employees. Yet, over three of every eight people of working age is without a job and not looking for one. Two generations largely raised without God, so the Christian pollster George Barna finds that they are involved in the occult more than churches. Russia's at war, China's about to go to war, and Iran's planning for war. In short, America and the globe seem headed to destruction. However, there is one true hope that we can believe in. I tell you of it today in my message, A Living Hope for a Hopeless World, from 1 Peter 1, verses 1 to 16. Well, today we stand on the edge of forever. All the signs that Jesus gave us of his return are coming to pass. They are ongoing in their fulfillment. The four horsemen of the apocalypse, war and lawlessness, inflation and shortages, are beginning to ride more and more and more every day. The great falling away of the church is well underway with many major denominations in apostasy. Yet, for an old song, it's the end of the world as we know it, but I feel fine. <laughs> That's because I know Jesus Christ, and my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and it will not be blotted out. And you could have that assurance, peace, and power yourself, if only you'll believe in the Lord and follow him. Not just think he's there, but sort of following him as Lord and Savior. Now, Peter, our author today, was a rough and a rugged sword. He was a fisherman, a guy who often acted before he thought, and even denied Christ three times. Yet, as the net of persecution was flung far in the Roman Empire and tightened around him and the other Christians, he penned his epistles, and he pointed his readers towards forever, giving them a living hope. So we take a look at 1 Peter 1, beginning at Verse 1, which says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. The apostle's greeting is reaching out to those who have trusted our Lord all across the known world of that time. 
he addresses this letter to pilgrims. He's not talking about people with the funny little buckled hats and such. No, he is talking to better translated sojourners. Have you ever heard that word from the old King James Bible? That's somebody who is on a journey and only temporarily in certain places. And the idea of the Bible is that we are temporarily on earth. We are actually spiritual beings who happen to have a body. And of course, this body is going to change. We're going to be resurrected and have ones that have no decay, no difficulty, no snares, don't age. He tells us where this pilgrimage is going here in the next verse. The elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father is sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. We might have thought it's possible he was referring to Jews who were in the dispersion. They had been dispersed throughout the whole world after the sacking of Jerusalem in AD 70. That was when the temple was destroyed and it has not been rebuilt in 1950 years since. But this makes sure that he is talking to fellow Christians who've been severely persecuted by Rome and fled the Holy Land. Peter says they're the elect. That's a word that means the chosen ones. This is like, in the Old Testament, that term that means chosen ones for the Jews. But just like Abraham is the father of all faith, that now is applied to the Gentiles as well as the Jews. God also has known beforehand that they would come to him. He hasn't made them. But he has given the foreknowledge of what is going to happen. He can look down the corridors of time and say, Kyle is going to come to me at this point. He may be doing uh, certain things to be able to help. There may be things that happen that distract. But everybody's going to get a chance to be able to be saved. But yet he knows those ahead of time through that miraculous looking ahead that are going to be saved and those who are not. And those dressed are diligent to seek the Lord here as they're being sanctified, set apart by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means that your top priority is not any longer doing what you want here on earth and trying to get all the promotions and advancement of money you can and all the rest of that. It's God and doing God's will. And what you find when you are sanctified and you're set apart to the Lord's purposes is that God takes care of all that other stuff just great. He just doesn't want you valuing it above all. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all of these other things that the Gentiles seek, the food and the money and the clothes and the houses and all the rest of that, it will be added unto you. Seek first, though, the kingdom of God. That's Matthew 6, 33. And these folks that Peter is addressing this letter to are doing what Jesus told them, becoming more and more obedient to him. They are loving him by keeping his commandments. He says this several times in the Gospels. If you love me, keep my commandments. That is our objective every day. Now, are we going to do that perfectly? Absolutely not. He was the only one who did it. Jesus was and we killed him. So we're not going to do it perfectly. However, as we pursue him, he blesses us in the Holy Spirit to be able to carry out his will. And we get less and less sin in our lives and more and more of a priority of God. And greater is our rest in Jesus Christ because we're pursuing him. He's the one who has all of creation in the palm of his hand. It says in Colossians 1, in him all creation consists. And so we can rest easy knowing that we've given our lives to him. We're pursuing him. We are safe and we are saved. 
Praise God in the tower of the Lord. And then verse 2 in 1 Peter 1 concludes, Grace to you, he says to his readers, and peace be multiplied. Now Peter was facing great hardship. As the empire saw Christianity grow, it saw it as a greater and greater threat to their pagan lifestyle. So officials began to take aim at the apostles. Uh, for example, James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, was the head of the church in Jerusalem. And he was taken to the top of the temple and thrown off, somewhat like Muslims do today, to people they consider heretics or uh, homosexual or that kind of thing. And then he survived hitting the pavement. Then they beat him to death with stones. What a wonderful uh, end that would be. But it actually was a blissful one because he died for his half-brother and for his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter eventually was also sentenced to death by magistrates in Rome. And he chose to be crucified upside down because he said, I am not worthy to die as my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. So this is the amazing change in Peter's life. He's gone from being afraid of a little servant girl finding out that he's following Jesus to surviving being crucified upside down. Can you imagine that? And giving great honor to God all the way. In fact, it said that he had heard that the authorities were coming for him. There was a general raid upon all the Christians in Rome at the time. And he was walking out of the city at the notice. And he encounters the Spirit of Christ saying, Are you going to leave as well? Leave what I've given to you? And so he turned around, he went back in the city, and eventually, of course, gave his life. That's commitment, I'll tell you. We've got to begin to press into Jesus, and then we'll be able to be committed like that, and we'll be able to get great glory to God like that, if he calls us uh, to do that. Now, here, rather than focusing on his own predicament, which would be great and which would certainly be understandable, he thinks of his fellow believers, and he blesses them with grace and peace. And, of course, he's writing to try to encourage them in this difficult time for Christianity. And don't we need those, the grace and peace, a lot more in greater amount today here and all across the world? How many people are giving grace, forgiveness, and mercy to others? It doesn't look like very much to me as it looks uh, on the news and also about the reports all throughout the world. What share of Americans and those worldwide really have peace in their souls and rest in their minds? I would say that's a very small share. When we think of others first, then our problems come into greater perspective. If you concentrate on your problems enough and play which area you want to go to or which alternative, you're going to have an increasingly hard time making a decision. There's always pluses and minuses. And so it's best to trust to the Lord, do your study, and then just give it to him. But too often, we are alone these days. We're separated. And we are focusing on ourselves inordinately. And that is going to make for a very unhappy combination in life. Also, it's not going to do the will of God to be able to minister to other people and to spread the word of God as well. First Peter 1 verses 3 to 5 say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter 
we all think had a whole lot of education. He probably had a little bit in the temple. There was no public education at that time like we have it now. And so he probably didn't have that great of writing skills. His uh, Greek is rather um, basic when he writes, just like the Apostle John. But it is amazing as we go through this passage, the depth of his expression, the wisdom, and just the packing in of the grasp of Jesus Christ into every word. It's just like somebody with a PhD of theology wrote it. Isn't that incredible? And you see, God gets glory from all of that. And Peter wants his readers to have that right focus on eternity with God. He tells them, you just don't have a hope right here in this or that on earth. You don't have to conjure up enough courage to make it through the day. You need not to depend on picking the right stock or getting the best degree or marrying up a notch to be able to make it. No, he says, you have a living hope because Jesus Christ has risen from the grave, and so you will as well. Praise God. God has not only shown us mercy through forgiving our sins, he's provided us an inheritance without any sin or strife or any ceasing of it as well. It's an eternal reward. <laughs> the treasure is heaven. God's spirit keeps us with him too until we depart this life. All we need to do is continue to follow Jesus Christ. And really, as the parable of the soils reveals from Matthew 13, that one soil that bears fruit to maturity, 30, 60, and 100-fold, is not going to fall away. There's two others, the rocky and the thorny ground, that are going to look a little safe for a while, but then they're going to wilt away because of the tightening of the cares of the world around them, or because they just don't have any good soil to be able to really sink down into in time of persecution. And the ones that are by the wayside, well, they never receive it to begin with. But if you have seen God change your heart, if you have seen that maturity of fruit, what is fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, loving kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, you're not going to be lost. God will give you what you need. Just ask him. If you're in torture, ask him, Lord God, put me in the secret place where I can't feel it. Lord God, help me. Guide me in my steps to take care of my family. Help me, Lord God to be able to have the strength to carry out my duties this day. And he will do it. I've seen that so many times that they oh, Lord, I can't, I'm so tired, I can't get up. And say, Lord, help me to get up. And, you know, in a couple of minutes, I'm up and I'm doing things and getting it all done. And I'm worried about something. I said, Lord, keep my mind stayed on you in perfect peace, trusting in you. Gets me on to something else. And I don't have that kind of worry or concern anymore. The Holy Spirit is very real, as we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago. Verses 6 and 7 say, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And that's not talking about the revelation being the unveiling the last book of the Bible. Is talking about the revelation that he is eternal, he is God, he is Lord, he is Savior, and he has all power and authority in this world, having redeemed it. And so Peter, trying to spur on his leaders, his readers, tells them to be thankful and even joyful, even at this difficult time. See, Christians then often lost their homes, their possessions, uh, even their families to the state or to those from other religions. They weren't protected by the Roman Empire. 
but they could stand firm in Christ knowing he who had promised them salvation was going to be faithful to them no matter what happened upon the earth. And by doubling down on that relationship with the Lord, they gained from him the strength that would be needed for every day and become a testimony that really blesses God's name. There are so many wonderful ones from the annals of time. I think about Polycarp, who actually studied under the Apostle John. And he himself became an elderly man, about the same as John when he died, I believe he was 86. And he was the bishop of Smyrna, I believe it was. And so the Romans came to him and said, we understand that you are not uh, paying tribute to Caesar, you're not saying that Caesar is Lord. He said, uh, how can I deny Jesus? Uh, he has never denied me for 86 years. They put him in the Colosseum, they like to make an example of him. And he was tied to a stake, and they set it on fire to burn the stake, but he would not burn. And instead, he kept preaching all the more. Finally, at, as the roars of the crowd began to gather, they had a soldier running through with a spear. And at that point, his blood came out and it doused the fire. But talk about a testimony to the end. It's amazing. And so we're even talking about it 1,900 years later. Isn't that fantastic? We have to also remember that our works in the Lord will be judged. Now, if we have truly trusted the Lord and we're saved, we don't have to worry about that. When we're raptured, we're going to go up to heaven, and Jesus is going to have what is called the Bema Seat Judgment. That was the Greek word Bema for where Pontius Pilate, for example, would sit, and he would hear cases and then make his decision, including that upon Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is going to sit in that great chair, and he is going to touch it by fire, all of these different works that we've done. And the ones that were selfish, that were for the wrong reason, seed of men, whatever, those will burn up, and we'll get no reward for that. But the ones that really were by his spirit will remain, and they're going to be like precious stones, rubies and emeralds and diamonds. And so we'll have that in those crowns as we rule and reign under Jesus Christ. However, he also says in that uh, passage by Paul in 1 Corinthians uh, 3, verses 11 to 15, that there'll be some who escape as though by fire, <laughs> having their little garment singed because all of the works were burned up. They weren't really for the Lord God. But thank goodness they had a trust in Jesus for their salvation. What we need to do is press into the Lord because then we're going to have nice, clean garments, well-pressed and ready to see the Lord of hosts forever. When it comes right down to it, you can't take it with you. There's been some musicals, there's been songs and all the rest. Of it. The old joke is that I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. But when we cut, get right down to it, when you have one million, you want to. When you have a million, you want two more. And so at some point, all of our needs are taken care of in many, many multiples. And yet, we seem to be willing to throw away our character, morals or whatever, belief in Christ and testimony to get more and more and more of this world. We're seeing now with inflation, this is eating up savings, is hurting, you know, especially Americans who've been responsible for years, you know, who actually have put away money and tried to save for the future. You cannot predict what's going to happen in this world with any kind of uh, approaching 100% accuracy. All you can do is be wise and pray to God and follow Jesus, and he will take care of you. As uh, David says in Psalm 37, verse 25, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. God is faithful. Verses 8 and 9 say, Jesus Christ, who having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, 
yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. <laughs> Praise God. Now, Peter, of course, had seen Jesus. He had walked side by side with him, literally, in a physical sense as well as spiritual, for over three years. But at this time, a generation later, there were many Christians who had never seen the Lord Jesus. I'm certain there were a number of thousands uh, back in the Holy Land at the time that Jesus was crucified. But, of course, those pass away with the years going by. And yet, they trusted in the Old Testament's promise of the coming Messiah and the burgeoning New Testament that declares Jesus is Lord. And in their hearts of the Holy Spirit witnessing with their spirits that they're children of God. And now we, having both Testaments complete, and all of the history of the church, those martyrs like Polycarp and the rest, we should trust God even more greatly than these. While I've gone through my own week of years of tribulation, the last few, my heart is joyful because Paul writes in Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. Friend, you can know that you're saved. But you can know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You accept him as Lord and Savior. We're going to give you a chance in a moment. And just keep walking toward Jesus. Just abide in him in those steps of discipleship we'll go over. And you're going to be walking right into heaven one day. Were my hope in this world, I would not be rejoicing. I would be sorrowful that this would be the best it would get. This is incredible. But if that is what it says. It's going to wax worse and worse with people deceiving and being deceived. Have we never seen this more in our public life and, frankly, in our private life even more? Somebody says they're going to do something. What are the chances they actually will? It's getting to be about a third or a half, isn't it? This is not the way that America used to be. That's not the way that America can function, nor can the rest of the world. But I see it this way, is that this world is ending, but the real world, the real life, that is with Christ, with no sin, no sinners around, being in heaven, being able to be with him forever, whether it's heaven, millennial kingdom, or the new Jerusalem, oh, life, real life is just beginning at the end of this time on earth. Verses 10 to 12 of 1 Peter 1 say, of this salvation, the prophets had inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which have now been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. We realize here that angels are not saved. They are born with God and through being with God. In a sense, that's their salvation. But they can fall away, right? Because we had a third of the angels join Satan in rebellion against God. Satan was one of the chief of the angels, we believe. But we humans have the opposite. We are born unsaved, but we can be saved. So we're the exact opposite of the angels in heaven. And we do know, by the way, the angels don't reproduce. Nobody in heaven reproduces. Uh, there's no marriage or giving in marriage in heaven, Jesus says in Matthew 19. But there sure is on the earth, or else we would have nobody here. <laughs> so, praise God for that. Now, Christ and his apostles were fulfilling what the great prophets, Isaiah, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and others 
had foretold. In fact, here's how Jeremiah in his chapter 31 verses 33 and 34 puts it as he received from God. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Isn't that wonderful? That's talking about that ministry of the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out rather than us doing things to try to get the salvation into us. And this is the wonderful help that we have in being able to be like Jesus Christ. Now in Hebrews 11, there is a long honor roll of faith. The patriarchs and the women who testified of God so strongly not only with mouth but life. At the end of it though, verses 39 and 40 say, All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. They looked ahead to see Jesus' day. And as Christ himself says about Abraham, he looked forward to see my day. He saw it. He rejoiced and was glad. Praise God. They were led by the living hope and that great and powerful Messiah that was to come, the one who is called Jesus of Nazareth, that we know today is the fulfillment of the scriptures. Verse 13 says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter warns, now is the time to press into God. Now is not the time to try the wide path to destruction. We're getting close to the end. Now is the time to press into that narrow one that leads to life that you find. Realize it's a tough go. Focus specifically on the Lord. There's no hope in anyone or anything other than Jesus Christ, truly. He alone is God come to us as a man, sinless yet stricken for us, triumphing over all the evil that could be brought against anyone in this world. And his grace is sufficient for us to be great testimonies in the day of judgment. Oh, praise God. Verse 14 of 1 Peter 1 says, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance. Remember, we used to think getting drunk or getting in fights or all the rest of this stuff, uh, being around with different women or men, whatever your sex happens to be, that all of these things are just going to be fine and uh, we'll be able to sow our oats and we'll be good. But now we realize all these things could have a big price. Uh, they could have uh, STDs, sexually transmitted diseases. Sometimes you get kids that you have to then pay alimony for or child support for. Uh, there's so many different things that can happen. And of course, Jesus himself warns that he who is joined to a harlot, you know, prostitute or a loose woman or a man, uh, becomes one with them. And so when we make the members of Christ a harlot, <laughs> that's pretty sobering thought, isn't it? And so the apostle says, be wise, be sober, be vigilant, not to enter into those evils that we had before we knew Christ. Peter says in another place, that the dog goes back to his own vomit. <laughs> That's fairly graphic, but isn't it true? If we go back to that old sin, after it's done, it's like, why am I doing this? This is so stupid. I'm wasting time, and I'm you know, drifting for the Lord. i got to help you to get over this guy. You know, That's what I do. <laughs> the final apostasy of the church is now underway. 
And many who used to gather with us in faithful churches, not just this, but all over the country, have left for this present world. We've got to be honest about it. The church attendance, I have not seen a firm number at this point, but what I have seen even in evangelical churches that preach the Bible, they are down at 30 to 60% attendance. Many have closed. In fact, there was a forecast that 20% of our churches in the United States would close within just five years during the COVID-19 time. Recall, though, what the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 2, 18-20. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, but none of them were of us. Isn't that amazing for a man who probably didn't have any education after he was 13 or 14 years old following Christ? Don't be a casualty of spiritual warfare, friend. We have the maximum number of demons out in the world today because Satan knows his time is short. All the signs are being fulfilled. They know what's happening with Christ. Remember in Mark 5 what happened when Christ went and confronted the demoniac? Had legion, thousands of demons in him. Oh, have you come to torment us before the time? That is the time of judgment of all these spirits, angels as well as people. So we need to gather together, gather together with us in eternity now, here in Scottsbluff, or over the airwaves at facebook.com slash eternitynowmedia for our service here on Saturday afternoons, so Wednesday at 7 p.m. We need to be a wall of living stones that gives shelter to that Holy Spirit of God and to those who want to know who Jesus Christ is. We have a life-producing hope. What did Jesus come to do? He said in John 10, 10, he came that we may have life and that more abundantly. It's the life that knows that no worry of this world is going to be taken from this mortal coil. Once we pass from this, all of our worries are gone. There's no more problems. There's no more sins. There's no more difficulties. There's no more strife, no more death, all the rest of that. Isn't that an amazing life-producing hope? You get a setback. You're able to go right through it because it's like, hey, pretty soon I'm going to be in the presence of the king. Everything's going to get better from here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and our last verses today in our passage, 15 and 16, 1 Peter 1, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And that's God who is speaking of that. God is so sinless, so pure, so unapproachable that he is that holy one. He gave us life. He made our souls individually, purposefully, uniquely, and created that physical process that also gave us these bodies, these tents today. So why would we want to have anything to do with evil passions that lead to death for body and soul? We must not be like Esau. You remember him, the brother uh, of Jacob, and he sold his birthright as the firstborn for a bowl of oatmeal. A bowl of porridge. He was just too too uh, emotionally wrought, being all worn down from hunting that day. And he said, oh, you can take the birthright, as Jacob asked. And then he sought it, and he wasn't even able to have tears because he did not have that right heart to inherit what God would have. He treated the things of God, uh, the order and the authority of God as nothing. 
If we seek to be holy and present to the Lord, ask to be made more and more like Jesus, conform our prayers to him and his ways, and depend on him for strength, he will say a big yes to all of those, and even in a miraculous way. Do you remember how he transported Philip from the Ethiopian eunuch side in the middle of the desert, a good 30 to 40 miles to Azotus, which is on the sea? That word is exactly the one, harpazo, that describes the rapture of the church. It's a violent seating away, especially physically. And in this way, we are going to be taken up to be with the Lord in a moment in time. We're going to go from this life up to heaven. Isn't that amazing to ever be with the Lord? And I have to say, I've been delivered from addiction and disease. I've been spared death probably three times or more. Gone from darkness to light and mind, soul, and spirit just at the time that the earth is getting to be its most wicked. Praise God. That's the best testimony that God can give. Amen. So five takeaways today. Number one, while our country and world are unstable, untoward, and unforgiving, we who follow Christ can be joyful. Soon Jesus is going to call us to himself, and we will leave the sorry globe behind for the glories of heaven. Can you imagine just being standing or walking around or doing something at home, and all of a sudden, this great voice says, come up here, and then we're flying through the air to Jesus. Then we all reunited in the air, and then we go behind a cloud up into heaven. That's what's going to happen <laughs> in a moment in time. Fantastic as it seems, think about how this world is the only one that has a cell of life on it in the entire universe. For all of the Mars missions and all the trips to Uranus and all your Neptune, not one cell of life, nothing of water, nothing. Nine million species right here. Nine million. They haven't even found them yet. That's an estimate from the 1.1 million they know now. I think that that's not an accident. I think God is saying, I am that I am. <laughs> Number two, we need to focus on Jesus Christ, knowing him and making him known, so we aren't casualties of spiritual warfare. We need to focus on Jesus Christ, knowing him and making him known, so we aren't casualties of spiritual warfare. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And I can tell you, out there on the social media, even a person, there's lots and lots of false prophets out there. Uh, they're trying to set the date for the rapture, the second coming. They insist that they're biblical. Uh, they say that, oh, they're Christians, but if Jesus is not God. Uh, he is only a good teacher. <coughs> Excuse me. They are saying that we can be perfect, that people can be perfect and without sin, even without following Jesus. No, I'm afraid to say you can't. <laughs> I have no fear of being proven wrong on that. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's only because of Jesus Christ, God coming to us, condescending to be one of the sweaty, difficult, persecuted one of us, and being killed, that ascending to the right hand of God, that we have a chance to be with the Lord forever. Amen? Mm -hmm. Number three, we must reach out and encourage fellow Christians, getting our mind off ourselves and on helping others across the finish line to enter eternity. We must reach out and encourage fellow Christians, getting our mind off ourselves and on helping others across the finish line to enter eternity. And that not only 
does good to others as Christ would have us to do, it is better to give than to receive, Acts 20, verse 35. But also, it helps us to refocus and stay centered on the Lord. We're not thinking of ourselves all the time. Have you ever been concentrating or doing something so long, it's like you're getting tired and you're not as sharp, and then you go away from it for a while, maybe take a nap or something, you come back and then you're sharp again. It's exactly the same thing. You keep thinking about your troubles all the time, you stay alone all the time, you're going to be troubled, you're going to be depressed, because you're just looking at your own resources. But when you go away from that, you say, Jesus is Lord, and he's going to give me wisdom as I do what I need to do. And then you're refreshed and you're also a testimony to God. Number four, we put no stock, no trust, no hope in this world, for it is passing away rapidly. We put no stock, no trust, no hope in this world, for it is passing away rapidly. Who would have thought a decade or two ago we may be looking at the end of America? <laughs> I certainly wasn't. The same for every other country of the globe, however. Very soon, just like Isaiah 9, 6 prophesied, Jesus Christ will have the government on his shoulder. He's going to be ruling from Jerusalem. And I bet he'll be making some trips, maybe even here to Nebraska and to the United States. Well, what was the United States? Uh, and so we need to realize Jesus is the one we've got to pursue. Yes, we're patriotic Americans. Yes, we vote. Yes, we do what we need to do with our families and all. But Jesus is over all. And number five, the only hope for real, true, abundant life that transcends the grave and deadly world system is Jesus Christ. The only hope for real, true, abundant life that transcends the grave and deadly world system is Jesus Christ. God made all things, every fish in the ocean, every bird in the air, every animal on the land, every blade of grass. <laughs> in fact, he knows when a sparrow falls to his death from a tree. He says, and he knows the hairs numbered on our head, whether they be many or whether they be few. And so he cares for us, and we can roll our cares off of us and unto him, Peter says. The Lord gave his only begotten son to us, who brutally killed him, and yet he blesses us with eternal life for following the Lord. Isn't that amazing? And in Christ, we know that he has the wisdom of all the Godhead bodily, as well as holding in his hand this whole universe. We have to prepare for forever with him, becoming holy as he is. We will see him as he is that day that we go to be with the Lord forever because we have his spirit in us and spirit witnesses to spirit, right? That we are the children of God. But we need to be children of God. We're not born as his children. We're born unto wrath. You can tell little children they're cute, but they'll take the toys away from the other one and they'll fight about stuff and all the rest of it. They don't have to be taught that. They do that themselves. <laughs> That's what the devil did to us through tempting and Adam and Eve falling to his wiles. But we can be saved. How are we reunited with God after all of this trial and trouble of sin? Well, first of all, we repent. We turn from our sins and we say, Lord, forgive me the things I've done wrong and the things I didn't do I should have. And he will forgive us in Jesus' name. Because we confess faith in Jesus Christ, that he alone is that sinless sacrifice for us, and that he has made a way for us to be saved. We also believe that he rose in body and spirit that third day in the tomb. And so, because his body and spirit have been resurrected, ours will be too. 
And we follow him as Lord and Savior. We do what he says to do. We uh, try to press into that love, peace, patience, loving kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. And if we do what he says, that's going to be the product of it by the working of the Holy Spirit in us. But we'll repent if we happen to fall. And he is faithful in us to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, as 1 John 1, 9 says. So I'm going to lead a prayer, and you can pray along here as well as there, uh, over virtually as we go out today. And if you believe this, say this, and it will also count to you. And simply keep walking with the Lord in these steps of discipleship for the moment, and you will walk and be with Jesus one day. Father God, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I confess faith. I confess faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Who died for my sins. Who died for my sins. I believe he rose. I believe he rose. In body and spirit. In body and spirit. The third day in the tomb. The third day in the tomb. And I will follow him. And I will follow him. As Lord and Savior. As Lord and Savior. Repenting should I fall. Repenting should I fall. Come into my heart, Lord God. Come into my heart, Lord God. And save me. And save me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praying with the Lord. And, you know, in a moment in time, we can go from the unsaved column to the saved column. We can have our name written in that Lamb's Book of Life and not have it blotted out. Isn't that wonderful? It's a pass-fail. It's not a curve. You don't have to hit 100% or 90%. Either you have Jesus or you don't. That's the simple truth. And how do we stay with Jesus? How do we press into him? Well, steps of discipleship, once we're saved. First, get baptized in water. You know, we have to be baptized on the right side of the cross. That we have believed, and this is a testimony of our belief. Now, Jesus was Savior and Lord before he got baptized. He didn't have to be, but he wanted this as an example for us. Also, we need to read the Word of God. It is powerful, as Jesus says, John 6, uh, 63, that the words I speak are spirit and they are life. They're an encouragement to us. When we have the Holy Spirit in, the, in us, we can even feel that connection when we read it and believe it. We pray. There's 7,500 promises or so in the Bible. Pray to receive those you don't have yet, and you will have what you say. Come to church, be with us. Come here to facebook.com slash eternitynowmedia. That's all one word, eternitynowmedia, for our Saturday service. And then we have our 7 p.m. Revelation Bible study. Fellowship with other believers. Now, how is it that we are going to become the family of God? Not necessarily the natural family, though they're part of those, but each other, brothers and sisters. Well, spending time together, getting to know each other. Talk on the phone, pray, visit with each other, have a coach, uh, do things for us. I had a friend that helped me here with my little guinea pig got sick. She's over six years old. She wasn't eating, and so he helped me to be able to give her a little nourishment, and she's up and at him again. So praise God for that, friends, in the church. And then also pursue personal relationship with God. God knows you inside and out. He knows you better than you know you <laughs> because he made you. He knit together uh, your soul and purposed you from the uh, way back in the beginning of time, if there ever were one. And also, you know, begin that process for even the physical being. So we need to get to know the Lord the way that he knows us. We've got an eternity to do that. And I'll tell you, the more that you know him, 
The more that you love him, the more that you understand how tenderly he loves us. The Father himself loves us. As Christ said in John 14, 27, Christ loves us enough to have died horrible death, falsely accused, and all the rest of it for us. The Holy Spirit, think of all the stuff he's had to endure, being in us, being the emissary of God, the Spirit of the Lord. So let's get to know him like he knows us. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this program. For more, including links to all our broadcasts and social media, go to www.eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W.com. We have over a hundred videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's EternityNow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and give you peace. Stop.